You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 207. In this episode, I'm speaking to Nicole Holland about how to be a great podcast guest and run a top show. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Nicole Holland, who is the host of the Business Building Rockstars podcast and founder of Interviews That Convert. Nicole is a podcast guesting authority and has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, and on countless podcasts and virtual summits. In this interview, we cover everything from her backstory to why she started a podcast, how it became so popular, and what makes a great podcast guest. Go to sigrun.com forward slash 207 for the show notes, and there you also find links to Nicole Holland and her gift for the listeners of The Sigrun Show, which is how to get booked as the featured expert on any podcast you want. I'm so excited to be here with Nicole Holland and have her as a guest on my show. And I got to tell you why, because... When I was planning to launch my show, I saw this lady with her podcast in the new and noteworthy section. And I thought to myself, one day I want to be there too. And she must have something special because she's there all the time. And now she's on the show and she's going to share that secret with us. Or if it's secret, I don't know. And many other stories on how to build an excellent podcast. Thank you for being on the show, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Sigrun. So we were preparing for this podcast episode and you say, well, maybe it's not a secret and maybe it's not a secret, but still, I know that I was kind of trying to get to the new and noteworthy section in the United States. What I didn't realize is every country is counted separately. So me from Europe, having mostly a European audience, there was never a chance, but you somehow landed in the new and noteworthy section and you say it's been two years ago. Yeah, maybe more now. Like I haven't paid attention to it in a really long time when I was first starting. Um, so I launched my podcast March 21st of 2016. At that point, because I was trying to do all the things you're supposed to do, I was paying attention. And it's funny because many of the people who I launched at the same time with, they were hitting new and noteworthy and I was so happy for them. And I was like, congratulating everybody. But honestly, internally, I felt like, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I not getting there? And then it was probably around week eight to 10 that I wound up making the charts. And I had originally been up there in a couple of different categories. And I was like, okay, great. Yay. I'm up there. I feel great. And then I was staying up there and I was like, oh, wow, this is great. And then over time, like I stopped paying attention to it, but people started getting angry that they weren't getting up there. And like, how are you staying up there? Your show isn't even new anymore. And I was like, I don't know. So then I heard um, 
everything is just, who knows, but I heard that it's a partly, it's about being noteworthy. So it's a subjective thing that there are people at iTunes who are responsible for picking and choosing. I think it has something maybe to do with downloads. Maybe it has something to do with audience engagement. Maybe it has to do with the people who are listening, being fans. I have no idea. I don't know today when we're recording here in July. I don't know if it's still, if I'm still up in new and noteworthy for marketing. You are. Oh, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I just checked before I get on the call with you. I want to check if you're still there. I want to tell you though, that I'm in Canada and Canadians, they don't love me. Like, I think I touched the new and noteworthy charts here, uh, maybe for a minute, but I don't have a lot of Canadian fans, but they like me in the States. So I appreciate that. Now that's fantastic. And maybe it has got to do with them wanting to have a balanced selection of podcasts, because I noticed there are possibly not so many women. And yes, there's also a lot of shows that are professionally produced, I mean, in companies, media companies, and maybe trying to balance that out. So that would be one guess. Yeah. You know what? Actually, Tony Robbins, I think, launched the same week as me. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to make new and noteworthy in the business category with Tony Robbins launching his, you know, and somehow still made it. But I don't know. I think a lot of times things like new and noteworthy, you know, and mentions in media, it's nice. It's nice. It's so you know, wonderful to be appreciated. But the more important things to me are the love letters I get from fans or from somebody messaging to say, wow, this thing you just said, like, I totally get that. And it inspired me and I did something that changed my life. And I know you get that, Sigrun. You coach your people and and you give so much of yourself. And to me, that's far, far, far more important than any kind of medal or accolade. Yeah, but it's sometimes how you discover someone and then you see there is much more to the whole story. And just before we started to record, you said, well, my background is a bit varied and you were possibly a little bit shy before all of this attention. And we want to inspire people to start a podcast, to listen to podcasts. Tell the audience, what were you doing before you started this? Yeah, so I was pretty much a ghost before I started my online business. And I also was battling um, an autoimmune disorder, which took years to figure out what it was and to get me on treatment. So I was very, very sick. And I think I was just emotionally broken. So directly before I started my business, I quit my job as a correctional officer. Um, Years before I was, I was always kind of working with children and youth in crisis in different capacities from a school administrator to a foster parent to an outreach worker to youth justice worker. And eventually I wound up in corrections with adults. And I started seeing things that I just couldn't not see. I couldn't unsee them. And it was just really challenging to my integrity and to my humanity. And so at a point where I was just I felt like I couldn't go on, you know, it was just, it was very, uh, very difficult at the time. And I made a decision to quit my job. And so I quit my job as a correctional officer. I had no plan, no idea what I was going to do for money. It was just, I had the New Year's Eve before worked a really challenging shift and made a promise to myself early morning on January 1st that I would not be there a year later. 
and it was the schedule came out for the holidays and I was on it for New Year's Eve. And it was just a question of, all right, Nicole, you keep your commitments to other people, but oftentimes you forget that the commitments you make to yourself are important as well. And you, um, uh, what do we say? Um, recovering people pleaser. So, yes. <laughs> So I made the decision that I was going to uphold my commitments to myself and I was going to change my life and that I didn't know what would happen, but I would be willing to flip burgers at McDonald's more than I was willing to stay for another turn of the year in the joint. So that's what I was doing just before. So coming out of that, I mean, I was also, whether it's right or wrong, who knows, but my, uh, my doctor also felt that I was suffering from PTSD. And so just all of the things and all of the feelings and just having been isolated for a few years before and, you know, working with criminals who really were threatening and coming out and being public was the last thing I wanted to do. So it was a big challenge because I realized when I started my business and I had no job, if I don't figure this out fast and I don't figure out how to get clients fast and I don't figure out how to, you know, make some money fast, we have a serious problem and McDonald's is going to be getting an application. So I figured it out and I, I launched um, my business essentially with a summit, an online summit which is where I learned about podcasting and I was inspired by John Lee Dumas and I interviewed him about how to, how to start a podcast and not that I wanted to, not that I had any interest in it, but I knew that people um, were interested in it. And I was interviewing people about marketing strategies, experts about marketing strategies. And after the interview, he's like, you know, Nicole, you're pretty good at this. And podcasting's a lot easier than summits. You might want to think about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot going on. Don't worry about it. You know, I can't even put more on my plate right now. And then after the summit was done, I was like, all right, this guy kind of knows more than I do. Maybe I should pay attention. And so I did. And that's how I started my podcast. It was really that simple. Like, I love your story of being inspired and planning it out and thinking about it, but you were aware of podcasting. I wasn't. It was literally something that just kind of was presented to me by one of the gurus of podcasting that I went, all right, let's see how this thing goes. So I wonder if your previous job made you a very good interviewer. I think my previous life made me a good interviewer. I've always been curious. Um, I've been a life coach for a very long time. I studied transformational coaching, got my certification in that. But even since I was very young, I was just always very interested in people and always wanted to learn what made people tick. Um, and I think it's that natural curiosity that is why people say I'm a good interviewer because I, I have not studied how to be an interviewer, or I have not studied journalism or anything like that. I don't even watch TV. I don't even have, like, I haven't in years, but I really, I really enjoy getting to know people at a deep level. And I think bringing that to the table and just being myself and being real and, and just not worrying about what I'm supposed to do and just doing it. I think that's what keeps people engaged. Mm. So how do you pick the guests for your podcast? Because you have a very varied selection. And I listened to one of the testimonials for your podcast. That's a very smart idea, by the way, to have audio uh, testimonials to say that yours is somehow different. You interview different types of people. Was that the plan from the beginning? 
Or no. is that something that's... I didn't no. even have a plan at the no beginning. Plan. Like I said, I had no idea. I didn't even know what a podcast was practically when I interviewed John. I had to figure that out. Thank you for the smart idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know which interview or which episode. I've tried so many different things over the years, and I'll tell you a secret. It's no longer a secret, I guess. But at time of recording, I'm in the middle of planning for a rebrand. So the Business Building Rockstar Show is going to become the Nicole Holland show. I love that you've got the sequin show. Already. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and so when I started the Business Building Rockstar show, I was interviewing people three times a week. But I wasn't really focusing on my own gifts and graces. I was highlighting theirs. So I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy interviewing people. And again, that natural curiosity, but it, it was a, a lot of work and with little emotional reward. You know, it was like sometimes like you talked about on your episode where you went through your top lessons from two, your first 200 episodes in 10 months. It was like just turning out content and almost feeling like, what am I doing this for sometimes? Because it was, it's a lot of work. I would do 10 interviews in a day sometimes and I don't do that anymore. So, I mean, it's easier when you don't have a business to run, right? When you're just starting out and, but I've tried different things over time. I used to love doing Tech Tip Tuesdays because a lot of my audience really enjoys learning about tools, but they don't feel tech savvy, many of them. And I I love geeking out on strategy. I love geeking out on tools that make life easier. And um, I love sharing my my learning with my audience. Yeah, I don't know. I'd change it up. And so with the Nicole Holland show right now, at time of recording, I just told my team, I think we're going to do, because originally I was like, I think we're going to do seven days a week. That's what we should do. And now I'm like, I don't think so. I think that's a little too much. I think we'll do five days a week, but I'll put out different kinds of content, you know, um, solo episodes and probably, probably, this is just what I'm thinking right now, two interviews a week. So one staying with that long form deep dive into the entrepreneurial story, because that's what I really love. And my audience really loves that as well. But also bringing in some tech tips, but not just from me, but sometimes having the founder of the company that I really think is so bloody cool, just to talk about how the tool works, you know, so that that people can understand it better and how they created it and stuff like that. You know, maybe bring on some coaching, maybe. So my focus in my business is helping people get to be guests on podcasts. And so I started, beginning of last year, I started a show called Get Guest Ready, which I never finished. And so I thought, well, I will be putting tips for how to be a great guest on the show and all kinds of other things. I mix it up. So in terms of how people get on my show, I, like you, am a relationship person and I don't like cold pitches. I don't like cold pitches at all. We were talking about that before. <laughs> I got to share this story uh, live or online now that I just told my husband to close down all pitches that come in because we were getting random pitches. You know, uh, my audience is mostly female entrepreneur. I have a few good men too. But, you know, I would get cold pitches from a man who worked at a Fortune 500 company. I'm like, that. this is so off. It doesn't fit. And I just told them to shut down and decline everyone without even showing me the email. And then yours came in. I was like, oh no, that we made an exception to the rule. So I would love to talk about that as well. But before, you know, the guests that you bring on, you reach out to them yourself? 
I do. Or like it's organic. It's organic. So for example, Sikor, and I was going to ask you after the interview, but you know, I'll ask you right here, will you be on my show? Of course. Because for me, it's finding people that I believe in and that I think are doing great things in the world and just having a relationship. So what I learned early on was that people were just using me for my platform and that doesn't feel good. I'm not a cheap date and I'm not interested in that. So I want that relationship. And so I have so many inspiring and amazing people in my life and only 52 weeks in the year. So I don't need guests. I've never needed guests. And this is what I teach to people when I teach them about how to be a great guest and how to pitch themselves and all that. And also, you know, I run a full service agency for booking clients as guests on podcasts, but we don't do things the way I'm used to receiving as a podcast host, because I find just like you, people couldn't care less about who I am, what my audience wants, who they are, what I care about. It's always about what they want. And I'm just a number and they're just, you know, basically spamming me and I have no interest in that. So I take a different approach when I cold pitch. It's really to understand first and foremost, and actually one of my competitors I hired to pitch me to you. So I'll just say that she was not internal. So I'm not sure exactly what she wrote, but I'm glad you said yes. Um, <laughs> but We're sharing insider secrets here. Yeah. But my team, when I or one of my team members reaches out to a host, generally what we say is, you know, love the show. Are you looking for guests or are you open to being pitched? Yeah. It's a permission-based tactic, just like any marketing you do should be permission-based. Otherwise, it's spam. That's my take. And so once people acknowledge us and say, we are, you know, they might say, we are, and there's a form on the site. Great. Now, we'll go fill that out, just curious about blah, 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 right? Or we try and get information from the host about what do you want as a guest? Who is the right fit for you? And then I play matchmaker. That's what we do is we find okay, I'm not going to send you then a pitch for somebody who's not what you want. I'm only going to send you a pitch for somebody who is. But that comes, I mean, I started my business out of a disdain for how I was being treated as a podcast host. I find that very interesting. So basically, you were in the new and noteworthy section, people start to pitch to you and you feel like, oh, this is so off and I'm never going to accept this. And then this turns into a business idea. How cool is that? Well, you know what? And it didn't even start as a business idea. And I'll tell you first, because again, I didn't know what a po I didn't even know podcasting. I was so blown away that all these people who were so important wanted to be on my show. So I was like, yes, thank you. You know, I'd have these PR people writing and this person's accomplished this. Wow. And they want to be on my show. Oh, for sure. You know, because I thought it was an honor. I didn't realize that they really didn't care about me and they really didn't care about my audience. And then I was noticing over time as I was interviewing people, both people that I had invited and people who I had said yes to pitches for, that there was a big difference between a great guest and a not great guest. And so I started taking note and I started looking, I'm, I like to analyze and I like to test and I would have these thoughts like, well, if you say something this way, I know my audience responds best to this. Whereas if you say it this way, they're not interested. And so I would look at analytics and I would just test and, and I would tell guests that I would have on, you know, if you do this with your audio, it's probably going to be better. Or, you know, hey, don't, don't show up in just earbuds. You need an external microphone. And so I started um, just 
teaching people, just telling people what I learned to make things better. And then I got so fired up about having guests on my show that just didn't care and had never listened to an episode and really didn't know who I was. And I would get really, I would get twisted, you know, because I had said yes. And then I'm like, do I air this? Do I not air this? And then over time I got, you know, stronger. So that was happening. And then I said, I'm going to put this into a lead magnet. Like I'm going to make, I'm going to start writing like just an ebook to say, here's how to be a great guest essentially, because I want to send it to all the people before they come on my show. And because I want to teach my listeners who are building businesses, who are trying to get attention and leads and all that. I want to teach them what I've learned. So one day I sat down to work on it. 12 hours later, I was like, this is not even, this is not even touching the tip of the iceberg. This cannot be just a lead magnet. This has to be a book. So I was like, all right, woohoo. I'm going to write a book about how to be a great guest. And I had a couple of mentors who gently but firmly said, you're not writing a book, Nicole. This is silly. You need to do a beta program because if you have to, first of all, see, do people want this idea and are they willing to pay for it? And you need to make money and you can either spend months writing a book than to try and get a few bucks per book, or you can spend the time building a course with people who actually are willing to pay you. It's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So that's how interviews that convert was born. It was, um, I believe in 20 summer of 2016. Um, I put together a small beta group and said, here's what I'm going to teach you. And, um, and I did. And so from there I was teaching it a lot and I was doing like intensives and I was doing done with you, but I didn't do done for you until at the end of the year, one of my guests, and I was always connecting my guests with other hosts if I thought they were great guests. And I had a, a guest that I had sought out and I said, I'd like what you do, I think more people need to know about. I'd love to connect you with people. And he said, yeah, this was cool. I liked dinner. I'd like doing the interview. That's cool. Um, and I said, okay, cool. I'll introduce you. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't want to meet people. I'm too busy for that. And I'm going, well, okay. I mean, I don't mind. And he's like, no, can you just book it for me? And I was like, well, no, I don't do that. I teach people and I can connect you with people, but I, I'm not an admin. I'm a coach, right? Meanwhile, I'm sitting here trying to get new clients in the door and it's an uphill battle. And this guy is saying, well, I'll pay you if you'll do it for me. And if you don't do it for me, that's cool. I don't really need to do it. And I'm, wait a minute. Wait now. I love doing this. And I do it all the time and I don't get paid. I go, let me sleep on it. Let me come back to you tomorrow with a quote. And I did. And the rest is history. So that's how I wound up launching this as a business. And it's just by word of mouth and referrals, I've continued and it's been improving and it's amazing. And I work with the most inspirational people and it's just so much darn fun. <laughs> it is. It is. I found actually podcasting to be you know, one of the super benefits is to just network with so many amazing people. But hiring someone to do this for you, that also requires people earning a certain level of income and possibly a little bit being further in business. So what if somebody is listening and they're just starting out? How would they become a good podcast guest and doing it themselves? Great question. And I'm always creating content around this. So at time of recording, 
Get Guest Ready is still out there. The free course is no longer a free course, but the recordings are out there where I walk people through how to be a great guest. And it starts with pre-planning. It starts with knowing your why. Why do you want to get out there? A lot of people will come out and they'll say, I want to be everywhere. I want to get known. I want to be on a hundred shows. I'll, I'll say yes to anything. Well, even if you're just starting out, like your time is worth something. And if you're going to do it right and you're going to actually be a great guest, it's not just showing up for the interview and talking. You want to do your research before. You want to make sure that you're getting on a show that's aligned with your values, that's aligned with your personality, that your ideal buyers are listening to, even if you're not even selling anything yet. It's never too late to get started as long as you have a message and something to stand behind. But you have to be intentional with it, I think. And again, it goes back to me being a host. I didn't like being treated like I was worthless and I was just there to be used and to be stood upon. It's not a good way to go. So I never did that. I would look at, first of all, how do I let somebody know I really appreciate them and add value to their lives before asking for anything? And I found that oftentimes the people who I want to ask to be on a show were asking me. They were inviting me. So I never had to ask. The thing is, is it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so you either have money or you've got the time and the willingness to put in the work. Everything is an investment, right? So you got to figure out what can you invest. But yeah, I put out tons of free content on how to be a great guest. I do interviews on it all the time. And again, when the Nicole Holland show launches, it's going to have probably one day a week specifically, I'll be putting out content on how to be a great guest. And I can also put together, if I can um, give your audience a checklist, if you'd like, of how to get the gig. That was something I gave away for a long time. I haven't given it away much lately, but it's actually, I think it's called the six simple steps to getting the gig. So it's how to get the yes from any podcast host if you want to uh, to get yourself out there. That would be perfect. We put that into the show notes. Superb. That's a real treat. So you said you you have this big network of interesting people. And just before we started the recording, going to conferences is seems to be one of the ways to get great guests. Is that one of your strategies? It's not actually, funnily oh, enough. It was it, mine. So you have another one? I don't know. I just ask. Like, I just, I have more people now because we're, we're friends, right? Like I make friends with people. That's what I go to. When I go to the conferences, it's about deepening relationships. And I'm always introduced to other people who are like-minded. You know, I'll go to a lot of dinners. I'll go to a lot of masterminds, things like that. I really invest in my network. I really invest in spending time with people who are so much smarter than me and so much more interesting than me. And it's just a really natural thing. If we gel and we have a good rapport, those are the people I want on my show. Because for me, a podcast interview is nothing more than a conversation. And it's just a deepening of a relationship and all these people get to tune in. And it's kind of like being at a cafe I've been really into the conversation. You know, I used to live in Germany and I've been to Zurich and I've never been to Iceland though, but something I loved in Europe was to just the cafes and, and sitting out on the streets at the little uh, tables. And especially in the summer, you get so into a conversation, you're like leaning in and you're talking with somebody and you can hear all the other things going on around you, but you're not focused on them. But sometimes there's something really interesting where you're like, not over there. And it's not intentional. Like you're trying to eavesdrop, but they're so like, so irresistible. Like there's something really amazing going on at the table. That's what I look at with podcast 
interviews. I'm like, whether I'm on the host side of the mic or the guest side of the mic, my goal is always to have a really awesome conversation and just to let it go wherever it goes. And the awesome thing is the people who are all around us and who are choosing to tune in, they get to experience that as well. And I think that it can be inspiring. It can be entertaining. It can be educational. It can be informational, all the things. And so, yeah. I love that analogy because when I go into a podcast interview, yes, I'll research the person or reconnect, you know, because I always know the people I'm interviewing, also you in this case, secret follower. <laughs> I love that. I will always know the person. So it's a different kind of, uh, yeah, let's say it's re-research the person to make sure I'm up to date on what's going on. But then I never know where it takes me. I have an idea, but the person might answer differently and then we're off to a different tangent. So I love how we have been covering everything from, you know, getting great guests on your show, being a good guest, your background story, the new and noteworthy, which I was very, very curious about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like having a coffee, except we're not having a coffee right now. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about where do I get these guests? I just ask. I just ask them. And one thing, when somebody writes to me and they say, hey, I'd love to have you on my show. And then I go and I check and say, is this a show that would be a right fit for me? Can I, you know, do I feel I can be of value, all this stuff? And then I'll say, okay, great. And then they say, and how about I get to be on your show too? And I've seen this a lot. Have you had this situation? Yeah, I somehow can feel it through the email that this will happen. And then you're, you're immediately kind of, ugh. <laughs> it's ugh, exactly. Yeah. And so um, I had that happen recently. And I said, well, I mean, I get a little bit upset about that. Because I think I put the time in. If you invite me to be on your show, I look you up, right? Like I look and see and I listen and I, you know, I spend the time. And so to be invited, I feel honored that anybody would want to have me on their show. And I put that time and energy in. And then to say, okay, yeah, great. You know, let's get you on the calendar. And my time is very precious. I, you know, I don't have a lot of it and I allocate time to be on podcasts. And so when somebody then comes back and says, okay, and we're going to do this as a trade, I get to be on your show. It's like, oh no, it doesn't work like that. So I'm happy to be your guest if you'd like, but my show is filled. I've already filled the 2018 spots and I'm not currently looking for 2019, but it's just, it's a bit odd. So I will say if anybody's thinking about having a podcast, please don't do that. When I first started, that was actually advocated and it never really felt right to me, but I was like, okay, this is what people do. I get it. You know, and I wanted to learn how to be a good guest. I wanted to learn what other people were doing but I made some poor decisions on who I had on my show because I didn't really have my clarity on what, on who I wanted to convey. So I didn't vet people the way I do today. Today, if somebody wants to be on my show, they need to build a relationship first. And I will take something I've been open to is I will take sponsored interviews. And so sometimes when people cold pitch me, I'll write back and I'll say, Hey, you know, if, you know, we're not looking for guests, but if you're interested in being on the show, um, here's kind of what happens. Like we put in the time to vet all of our guests and to make sure that it's a right fit. You have to be in alignment. You have to be doing something of value. I don't know everybody in the world, so I'm happy to learn about new people that are up to good things. But at the same time, and then we promote and so on, right? I invest a lot into my podcast, so there is a fee 
for us to do all of this. So if you're interested in a sponsored episode, so I call it a sponsored episode. If you're interested in, in being in a sponsored episode, I'm, I'm more than happy to accommodate that. Are you one, two, three, four, right? Do you meet all this criteria? Are you willing to pay? And so far to date, nobody has been. And that's perfectly fine. It's like, I don't need your money, but I also am not going to sit here and promote somebody that I don't know yet, that I don't trust yet. You're borrowing my authority and you're getting in front of my listeners. I know what my, I'm very aware of the power of my show. I'm very aware of the engagement of my listeners. And so I think it's a little bit silly that people expect they can just, you know, willy-nilly get wherever they want. So one of the things that I will say in terms of, because it may sound like really um, hypocritical that I pitch people, but I don't actually take cold pitches because I spend time investing in the relationships and building with the hosts so that I have a number of hosts who have gotten to a point where they've basically given me a golden key. And they say, every time you send us a guest, they're so prepared. They know our show. They're so good. And they're so such a good fit that you can send people whenever. You don't even need to ask anymore. If you think they're a fit, put them on the show. And that's what I work towards. And so even when we cold pitch, it's just starting to build the relationship. It's not about placing a body into a spot. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this has been fabulous, Nicole. I keep my episodes short typically 30 minutes or so. <laughs> and we've been going on a little bit longer. It's been totally worth it. I loved having you on my show. I'm glad we finally met. Hopefully we'll meet live soon. See, was trying to pitch to me to go to an event <laughs> before. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I hope so too. Either way, we'll have to have you on my show as well. So wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. And please, please go to the show notes once you've listened to this and get the wonderful resources from Nicole. It's definitely being a podcast a guest. It's one way to build your business, but you got to do it the right way. So that's where you can learn from Nicole. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Sigrun. Go to sigrun.com forward slash 207 for the show notes. And there you also find links to Nicole Holland and her gift for listeners of The Sigrun Show, which is how to get booked as the featured expert on any podcast you want. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.